Welcome to Sporting Max episode 48, brought to you by The Missing Link, helping you or your business connect with the biggest stars in the world through events and experiences. Our guest today is agent to the basketball stars, managing Josh Giddy, Chris Golding, Aaron Baines and Cam Oliver and helps manage the Atatacumbo brothers. It's Octagon Basketball Vice President and Player Agent, Daniel Mulderman. Here's your host, Max Becker. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Sporting Max. Today we are joined by Octagon Basketball Vice President and NBL and NBA Agent, Daniel Moldovan. Welcome to the podcast, Daniel. It's a great uh, pleasure to have you on. How are you going at the moment? Thank you. I'm, I'm going very well. This is the, the highlight of my week. So I'm excited to be on. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks, Daniel. Now, I'd like to start off with uh, what was growing up uh, like for you? Well, believe it or not, I, uh, I was not a basketball player. How I ended up in the basketball industry is kind of odd and it was unexpected. Uh, definitely not planned. I was a swimmer um, uh-huh. and I was lucky enough to have untethered access to the Sydney Kings growing up through Mike Rudlewski, the Mm -hmm. original owner. And uh, I was very, very lucky that both Brian Gorgian and Brett Brown uh, had me basically attached to their hip, which (laughs) gave me a a good insight into the basketball world. And it was the way that I started building my first kind of like friendships and relationships with players to kind of be able to, you know, work on having that rapport that every agent needs to have. And uh, I, I got a phone call, excuse me, I got an email one day from the then commissioner of the NBA, David Stern, inviting me to New York to work in the NBA head office, which I immediately grabbed with both hands. Yeah. And uh, fast forward a year and a half, I got uh, basically headhunted out of the NBA head <laughs> office by the oldest sports agency in basketball history. So I was very lucky, Max, and it all kind of fell into place organically. And I ended up a sports agent, uh, unbeknownst to me how. So that's great. <laughs> so what was that like to receive an email um, from the great late David Stern? I thought it was, uh, I thought I was getting pranked. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I, I had to look three or four times. The email was signed, kind regards, DJS. And I thought to myself, this somebody's messing with me. One of my yeah. friends is uh, playing a prank, but um, it was legit and it was very, very exciting. I actually, the day that I got it, I was 19 years old wow. and my hands were shaking. And I quickly <laughs> called my dad and I said, dad, I need you to buy me a, a flight to New York immediately. And uh, the rest is history. So when did you realize that you wanted to be um, a player agent? Um, well, when I, when I got called to a meeting with the president of Entersport, his name is Mark Fleischer. He's the most experienced agent in the history of, of this industry. Yep. Um, I didn't even know fully the, the details of what being an agent meant and what was required. And Mark really ran me through um, all of the, uh, the ups, the downs, the good parts, the bad parts of being an agent. And um, I thought about it for about a week. I went home and I digested everything that he said. And, uh, and, and, and it wasn't until that dinner that, that being an agent was, was even in my mind at all. Um, but it did, it did feel right because I had great relationship with, relationships with players, yeah. Australian players at the time, and great relationships with coaches. You know, if it wasn't for Brian Gorgian 
helping me sign my first uh, three players, Mark Worthington, David Barlow, and CJ wow. Bruton. Um, I don't know if I would have had any success at all. So I have a lot to owe to a lot of people. Um, and I take no credit whatsoever. I was just very lucky that people looked out for me and, and opened up doors for me. Oh, you mentioned your sort of first three players, um, CJ Bruton, Dave Barlow and Werther. What was that like to have sort of like three superstars and legends of um, Australian basketball, you know, being your first three players that you signed? Yeah, really amazing. Um, Werther and Barlow were the first two. CJ was the close behind third. Um, and I remember uh, Gorge called me to a lunch yeah. and he said, look, I've got these two young stars. Or I think they're going to be stars. At the time, they weren't stars. Werther was, you know, two weeks into his rookie season coming out of <laughs> school. And David Barlow was only a development player mm -hmm. making $10,000 at the time. Wow. And uh, Gorge said to me, trust me, Daniel, these two are going to be special. And, you know, I, I had nobody uh, on my books. <laughs> And I, would, I was an agent for four weeks before that, not knowing what I was doing. Mm -hmm. So I was lucky enough that the first two players that I signed, I didn't have to do a recruiting pitch. Yeah. I didn't have to convince them. They trusted Gorge mm -hmm. and uh, Gorge trusted me. And uh, that, that started me on the right track. So I got very lucky. Um, you mentioned before sort of becoming a player agent at Sport Management. How did that um, role come about? Um, so when I was in the NBA head office, I was uh, working in the team marketing and business operations division with a guy named Ty Sullivan. We were there in the NBA head office working on the building of the G League at the time. Um, and Ty left the NBA head office to work for Entersport. And Ty called me and he said, hey, we've got offices all over the world, but we have no office in Australia. We really want to expand. And I've convinced Mark that you're the guy. Um, come to New York, uh, at the time I was in Hong Kong when I got the phone call, come to New York and, uh, and meet with Mark and uh, at, uh, another gentleman named Stephen Human, who's now the president of CAA. Uh, yeah. And the two of them uh, sat there at the dinner, grilled me and uh, <laughs> asked me every question under the sun, most of which I had no answer for. And that's how it happened. It was just basically a matter of who you know rather than what you know. Um, 12 years at Ennisport, I mean, that's a long period of time. Um, what are your biggest highlights there? I was really lucky. Look, I can say that, you know, starting off as an agent, working with Mark and representing guys like Tony Parker and Andre Kirilenko yeah. and Mehmet Okur, huge European names, that was great. But honestly, for me, the highlight was I learned from the best. You know, Mark, who is in the, the you know, the twilight years now of his career is, uh, you know, is, is the GOAT. Of, of agent of the agent world uh, in my first ever NBA summer league Donnie Nelson the president of Dallas Mavericks tapped me on the shoulder and uh, he said to me Daniel I hope you realize how lucky you are to learn this industry from Mark so for me honestly the highlight is just watching Mark do what he did watching him negotiate um, he was just he, he unbelievable <laughs> I, I got really lucky um, now, in 2017, I believe you started up your own basketball agency and Lighthouse Sports Management. Yep. When did you decide that you wanted to actually have your own agency and where did that idea uh, sort of sprout from? I think it's something that every agent goes through. You know, you reach a point in your career and you're kind of like, wow, I wonder what it would like to have my own shop and put my fingerprints and my style um, onto my own agency. 
And it's very much a sink or swim situation. You know, they, everyone always says that you don't ever reach real success unless you take a risk. And uh, I wanted to take that risk and it paid off because over the last two years, <laughs> I've been essentially headhunted by most of the top agencies in the, in, in the game. And as you know, I've recently joined Octagon um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was something that I'm really, really happy I did because the notion of sink or swim and the notion of you must achieve now, there's no salary coming in, you eat what you kill, um, was a really good motivating environment for me to be in. And I loved it and I, I wouldn't change it for anything. So what challenges did you face um, owning your own agency? It's very expensive. <laughs> I can tell you that, uh, you know, going from, you know, a big agency essentially to leaving and, and, and going on your own, uh, every dollar counts. So financially, it's a burden. Um, you've really got to invest everything back into the business. Yeah. Um, then you've got to convince players to sign with an agency that has no history. I had history as an agent. But to have a brand new agency that when you go into a meeting with a family to explain to them why they should go with you, mm -hmm. that's a challenge. Um, it was one that I enjoyed and, you know, I, I don't shy away from challenges, but it's never easy to walk in and convince a family and a, an athlete to sign with you over some of these monster agencies with very sexy client <laughs> lists. Um, when you're coming in as a, as a solo individual, you know, guy with a yeah. small agency. So how do you get players um, to, I guess, sign with your agency over like the other monster agencies? Yeah, look, I mean, at the end of the day, being an agent, Max, it's all about relationships. This is a relationship-based business, right? Mm -hmm. um, and as long as you can build a rapport with family and, and the player, and they see how genuine you are and see how much you truly care for them and how much you wanna fight for them. Um, I think that's the most important thing. At the end of the day, all the top agencies pretty much do the same thing in terms of yeah. services. But what this comes down to at the end of the day is how much are you going to fight for that, for that client? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, are you gonna wake up at three o'clock in the morning when they call and, uh, and something's wrong and needs to be fixed? Mm -hmm. And if you can convey that, uh, and 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 show that it's genuine. That's that's really all that matters at the end of the day. Um, in March this year, you joined forces with Octagon Basketball, who have NBA superstar talent like Giannis Antetokounmpo and Steph Curry. How did that move come about? Yeah, I was. Uh, look, I, I know a lot of people in the industry, as you can imagine, being in it for as long as I have, and uh, um, you know, some of the agents in Octagon are agents that I've known and dealt with and communicated with over the years. Um, and it was, it was actually something that kind of felt really seamless. They um, recently had some, you know, movement within the agency. One agent left to go join another agency. And there was room to bring in somebody, um, the right person, um, to a, a relatively, you know, large role. And I didn't want to leave this agency that I created to just be one of a million agents under yeah. a big banner. <laughs> Uh, but this was the right role for me. And to be honest, the, the, the biggest thing for me was how I felt about the other agents in the agency. And the guys at Octagon, guys and the girls at Octagon, 
are unbelievable people. They're very talented. And instantly I struck up a great relationship. And we talked for a few months. This wasn't an overnight thing, um, but everything just really fit. And uh, we really see the industry uh, the same way. And so that was really important for me. So who are some of the players um, who you actually manage? Well, Max, I've got 47 players on my list. Wow. <laughs> um, so I've got a lot of guys to rattle off names to you. We could be here all day. Um, aside from, uh, aside from uh, the Australian players that I'm sure you're familiar with, yeah. um, as the vice president of Octagon, I'm going to be assisting with everybody. Um, the the pre-existing guys that were with Octagon before I joined, um, I'm here to help Alex Saratsis and Jeff Austin with those guys. Um, whether the it's whether it's the Antetokounmpo brothers or whether it's Campazzo or Matt Thomas or whoever it is, um, I'm here to assist with everything while continuing to service my own clients like the Josh Giddies and the Isaac Humphreys of the world. Um, and, uh, and, and, and that's how we're going to work. We, we do everything as a team, essentially. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not really, you know, individual based. Everybody contributes. Um, now, Josh Giddy, what a, hit, a star. Um, he's been in the NBL um, this year. Now, obviously not playing out the rest of the season um, in preparation for the draft. How have you viewed him throughout this season and what's he been like to work with? It's funny, Max. Josh says to me all the time, he says, be honest. You didn't think that. I'd be this successful this year, did you? Yeah. <laughs> and I said, and, and it's, it's a fair question because, you know, a year ago, Josh wasn't on NBA radars yeah. like he is today. So it's fair for Josh to ask me that. But the truth is, I really did expect this of him. Mm -hmm. I knew that he was a really rare talent. Um, he has a very rare basketball brain, as I've mentioned multiple yeah. times. Um, and, and, and I did expect him to make a big, big, big jump up the rankings. Um, you cannot hide a six foot nine point yeah. guard, <laughs> long, right? They, they don't yeah. grow on trees. Uh, and couple that with the work ethic. Uh, you know, Josh, uh, Josh has made the climb that I, that I expected. And we're still just scratching the surface. You know, in basketball terms, Josh is still a baby. You yeah. know, Josh still, doesn't, Josh still doesn't have any idea how good he can be um so we're, we're just scratching the surface right now so i'm excited for him australia should be excited for him it's going to be yeah, a fun ride for the whole country to kind of get behind um now josh has also been compared um to lamello ball um put in the right program do you see him having a similar influence in his rookie season in the nba yeah for sure look lamello is lucky to be in a situation where they really needed his skill set and a lot of times that is the number one key to a player having success early on. Not so much um, are they talented enough. Look at RJ Hampton. His first stop wasn't necessarily the right fit. Yeah. There wasn't really a role there. But as soon as he made a move, he's exploded. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, landing in the right place is also uh, a really underrated aspect of this whole process. Josh is good enough. Um, you know, hoping that he gets to the right team is the, is, is the next step in the process. Um, but sure, uh, look, I, I don't think that there's anything that, that Josh can't do. There's a yeah. lot of similarities uh, between him and LaMelo. 
there are some things that Josh does better. There are some things that Lamelo does better. But by all means, uh, we 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 can you know confidently say that Josh can have the same impact. Sure. So you mentioned before I'm managing Isaac Humphreys um, of the Adelaide 36ers. What's he, what's he also like to work with? But then having that injury um, earlier this season, um, sort of coming back in yeah. towards the later end of the, uh, back end of the season. Yeah, I, look, I love Isaac to death. He is um, he and I have a really special relationship where uh, no matter what I tell him, whether good or bad, he retains it, he absorbs it, and he puts it into action. Those are the best kind of relationships as an agent because you can actually leave your fingerprints and, 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 and mold the player in the right direction, right? Isaac was off to an MVP caliber season. Um, you know, we were all really, really excited to see if this would result in an MVP award or a defensive player of the year award or both. And then the old injury bug yeah. <laughs> struck um, at the worst possible time. So he's young. He's got many, many years ahead of him. Right now, it's just a matter of getting healthy. Um, and if we can have a full season with no injuries, um, sky's the limit for Isaac. I mean, that's that's an NBA talent, as we all know. One of the best centers in the nation went to Kentucky, rookie of the year in the NBL. And a year later, he's wearing an NBA uniform. Yeah. So to get <laughs> Isaac back there is the is the goal, is the, the number one goal. Uh, and he's in a great situation in Adelaide um with a coach that believes in him and a system that fits him so yeah i'm excited to see what he can do with a full season um now i believe you also manage young cans taipans next um harvey king um uh on can you elaborate on mojave and how great of a player he's going to be as we've already seen um some great signs from this nbl 21 season sure look look mojave is uh really really and i don't say this lightly at all Mojave is a really, really special talent. You go back a year and Mojave was the biggest name coming out of the NBA yeah. Global Academy. <laughs> Bigger than Josh. And Josh will admit that, you know, Mojave was the star of that group. Now, Josh got lucky that he landed in a perfect scenario. Um, and really, you know, he had a coach that handed him the keys and believed in him and, and didn't look at his age as a hindrance. Mojave hasn't landed in as good of a situation. Um, and it's it's a process. The good thing is Mojave is 18 years of age. Yes. So <laughs> he is not only going to make the NBA, he's going to be a special player in the NBA. Uh, and if it if it requires uh, if it requires another year of uh, overseas basketball before he makes the jump to the NBA, so be it. We don't shy away from that at all. The talent is what it is, and and every NBA team knows how talented he is. Uh, and there are plenty of NBA teams that are waiting uh, excitedly for, for, for Mojave to, to enter the NBA draft. Now, Cam Oliver got a 10-day call-up for the Houston Rockets um, late in this season and performed incredibly well at a high standard mm -hmm. of play. Um, does he get an NBA contract next season? Yeah, I can't see any way that Cam is not in the NBA next year. What, what he did in that short four-game stint... Yeah. <laughs> Albeit on a team that was, you know, not in the playoff hunt and and giving young guys an opportunity, which was great for him. Uh, what he did proves unequivocally he's an NBA player. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we we are we're all we're all uh, on board the NBA train right now. And uh, Cam also is, you know, Cam's 
24 years of age. Yeah. So he's also he's also got many, many good years ahead of him and entering the NBA at the perfect time. So yes, I, I absolutely think that uh, we've probably seen the last of Cam in the NBA. Yep. Um, now with the likes of guys like who we just mentioned, Cam Oliver, um, Jay Sean Tatum, Didi Lozada, um, going to the NBA, what does that do for the NBL? And will we see an influx of scouts um, coming down under to scout our players? Great question. I can tell you that <laughs> I probably could name 15 plus NBA teams yeah. that are chomping at the bit <laughs> to get out to Australia. Uh, the quarantine thing is a huge commitment because it basically means giving up a month of your life, two weeks in a hotel, and then you've got to have at least two weeks on the ground. Um, so yes, you know, as we continue to funnel players to the NBA, we are really, really cementing ourselves as the number one hotbed or springboard to yeah. the NBA. And yeah. this is what all the scouts and all of the, uh, the executives and the decision makers uh, are now starting to realize that this wasn't a couple of guys there are another 10 guys in the NBL that could be on an NBA roster tomorrow and completely fit in and not look out of place. Um, so yes, hopefully the Australian government eases these, uh, these restrictions yeah. <laughs> because the second they do, uh, there will be 30 NBA scouts on the ground uh, immediately. So fingers crossed. Um, how do you go about things when one of your players might want to get a trade or they might be out of contract? Um, where do you in this situation come into play? Yeah, good question. Look, every situation is different. Uh, and this is where the relationships come in with the general managers uh, of each NBA team. Um, when a move or a change is needed, um, you know, you, you've got to be open and honest and, and have a really, uh, you know, calm, collected conversation to see what can be worked out that works out best for both sides, right? The team is trying to do what's best for them. And as the agent, it's my job to do what's best for my client. So trying to find a situation that works for both sides and, and reach a happy, uh, a happy medium, that's the, uh, the trick of the trade. And that's where the, uh, the uh, skill of an agent is needed. So not always works out perfectly yeah. but um but that's that's a big part of our job how do you find the experience um managing different sports people tricky i can say <laughs> that um i can say that uh being an agent and representing athletes means that you sleep when you can you have to keep up with multiple time zones multiple yeah. schedules i can tell you max i know what my player in Turkey has on his schedule tomorrow and what the <laughs> player in Japan, when he needs to be at a photo shoot. And sometimes I forget when I need to take my dog to the groomer down the road. <laughs> I'm managing 50 schedules and struggle to manage my own. That's life as an agent. Um, so what does your weekly schedule currently look like? Uh, well, I just got back to America after six months in Australia. So... I am very much playing catch up now and trying to, you know, visit with clients uh, and, and, and uh, meet, you know, obviously COVID protocols make things tricky, but meet up with as many people as I can that I haven't been able to see for a while. Um, but uh, the travel schedule is about to kick up again, you know, as we go into this pre-draft mode with the combine, 
um, then the draft. Yep. Uh, uh, in addition, you know, we've got the boomers coming out here soon. Um, and then there's NBA Summer League. And then when Josh gets back from uh, Japan, we'll have to settle Josh into a new city. <laughs> um, if Aaron Baines is going to be uh, making a new move, we're going to have to look at settling him into a new city. So lots and lots of travel is in my uh, the, uh, very near future. Uh, what would be your best advice to anyone trying um, to become a successful uh, player agent when they're older like yourself? Two things. Number one, relationships are everything, right? If you want a big agency to look at potentially bringing you on board, you need to bring two things to the table. Number one, you need to have a pre-established network yeah. of people in the basketball industry, whether it's players that you know, or whether it's coaches and trainers that you know, but the ability to bring pre-existing relationships is extremely important. The second is you've got to work for free mm -hmm. for one year, two years, three <laughs> years. It's unfortunately the way that this industry is. Uh, nobody gets handed a check to start yeah. as an agent on day one. Um, and so the ability to, you know, essentially work for free, like I said, it's an eat what you kill industry um, is, is very, very important to, uh, uh, cementing yourself as an agent. Uh, thanks, Daniel, for coming on the podcast today and putting aside half an hour or, your, or so of your time to come on and have a chat. It's been awesome. My absolute pleasure, Max. This was, uh, like I said, the highlight of my week. And don't forget <laughs> me when you're famous, all right? Yep. Thanks, all Daniel. Right. Stay thanks, tuned, Max. everyone, for more Sporting Max. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sporting Max. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, or YouTube. And be sure to follow our socials. This episode is brought to you by The Missing Link. This is The Voice of Melbourne, and we'll see you back here real soon for another episode of Sporting Max.